Here's a few exciting scenes from tonight's episode of The Tom Gully Show. One, just one of the many things uh, that's notable about your career is that you were a, an apprentice, a peer, uh, a confidant, and of course a biographer uh, of Jack Kirby. There's the Kirby Museum. And if there's dirty dealings going on at the Kirby Museum, yeah, of course I'm going to say something about it. And I remember clear as a bell, we're, we're standing uh, late at night, 11-ish. Uh, he's putting a box of Xeroxes into his back seat. I'm putting a box of Xeroxes into his trunk. And we close the doors, and I look at him. I said, now, these are loans. I'm not giving you this. these. These are a loan. And, you know, Rand's like, oh, yeah, loan. Yeah. And I also... When I come back for them, I do not want to hear you say, well, I thought you gave me those. And you know the first thing he said when I came back for him? Um, I thought you thought gave, you me, gave those? me those? Yeah. 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 So, kind of interesting how that comes in a circle. Everything that I had connected to Kirby, you know, pretty much in my files, uh, I gave them. Talk about ingrates. Due to some violent content, parental discretion is advised. It's time, America. Mr. and Mrs. North of South America, all the ships at sea, let's go to press. So sit back, buckle in, place your tray table in its upright locked position, and get ready for big time radio, friends. It's time for... For the uninitiated, you need to know that Jack Kirby is a comic book legend, okay? He was the artist that conjured up graphic images of Marvel superheroes that live on today in the biggest, most blockbuster movies of all time. Now, illustrator, writer, editor, publisher Greg Theakston didn't just know Jack Kirby. Greg worked with, for, and along with him. And over 40 years, Greg amassed a huge collection of rare, priceless, one-of-a-kind Kirby artwork. I mean, that's just like finding Dead Sea Scrolls, for crying out loud, if you're a comic book fan. And so it's only natural that when a Jack Kirby museum was being opened, Greg was interested in seeing Jack's legacy available to the public. And that's how it came to be that he loaned the museum a mind-bending plethora of work with the caveat that just one portion, over 3,000 rare original Xeroxes of Kirby artwork, would one day need to be returned. Only now, the museum says it's theirs. 
Well, Greg Theakson will talk about the controversy and the potential of filing a stolen property report with the police, as well as his recollections of Kirby himself, tonight on The Tom Gully Show. You're listening to The Tom Gully Show. And what's your, what's, your, what's your radio show? Where are your radio show hosts at? Where are your radio hosts Where are you at? Where are you at? What's your, what's your show? What's it called? Is it the podcast that's non-existent? You know what? When it launches, can I be on? Can I be on? Please, 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 please. Sure thing, crazy lady. Just send an email to tom at thetomgullyshow.com. Boy, I have never met somebody with a more self-serving, pompous media blowhard that you give Rush Limbaugh a good name. Well, let's, uh, let's get to the meat of the matter. Yeah, Greg what's a, what's new? Greg isn't as cheery this time. <laughs> no, and you you have a right to not be cheery. Um, mm-hmm. I stumbled across the whole thing. Uh, I, I have to say, I was most immediately taken aback by the fact that you had gone to that extreme because I've known you for a long time. And uh-huh. you're not the kind of person that does that sort of thing. So I know no. it has to be a, a quite a point of contention, uh, especially well, given... Well, uh, okay, uh, part of this has to do with the fact that it's the Kirby Museum. And if there's dirty dealings going on at the Kirby Museum, yeah, of course I'm going to say something about it. Yeah, I mean... Uh, it's not just about me, the reputation of the museum. Well, and I was also struck by the fact that it just doesn't make any sense what this museum is alleging. You have been incredibly generous. I uh, gave them everything, you, except the Xeroxes. That's what gets me. It's like, if this guy was really trying to shyster the museum, or he was really doing something out of bounds, why would he just focus on these 3,000 exceptionally easily scannable and valuable. Origi- why, why don't we? Uh, why don't we just roll it, roll the tape? Oh, we've been rolling. We're always. Rolling. Oh, we are rolling. Oh yeah, we've always been rolling. Um, yeah, I think I didn't say fuck. Oh yeah, you can you can say that whenever you want. But the, I mean, I guess if we want to recap, I'm, most people that have heard your prior appearances. Oh yeah, nobody on knows program, what we're talking about. Uh, no that one, just one of the many things uh, that's notable about your career is that you were. A, an apprentice, a peer, uh, a confidant, and of course a biographer uh, uh, of Jack Kirby, who, along with Stan Lee, pretty much laid down the, uh, I guess, the modern revolution in comics with uh, yeah. Marvel uh, opposing DC's kind of more conservative type of comics. And uh, with that in mind, you amassed a largesse of, of uh, various materials in association yeah, with... 40 working. years worth. Yeah, 40 years worth of stuff. And uh, when you learned of the fact, I guess in 2007 or so, that there was going to be a Jack Kirby Museum, you very graciously uh, yeah. offered to contribute this largesse of work, making the one stipulation. There were these 3,000 original Xeroxes that, that I guess... No, no, it's over that, but, you know, close enough. Uh, two, it's like two and a half boxes. So, you know, you said, now these, you can take, scan them, do what you will with them. 
No, 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 no. I never said that he could take them and scan them. Well, you, when, you, when, you said... When we began, he came over to my house. Once a month, he'd come over and spend four or five hours scanning the Xeroxes. Right. So why would he be doing that if I was donating them? Well, th- that, in addition to the fact you very clearly said, I'm going to ask for these back someday. Don't ever say... All right, well, well, let's move the story ahead a little bit. About four and a half years ago, I was moving to Atlanta. And he had only scanned like two-thirds of them. And, you know, frankly, my truck was full to the, to the brim. I could see it coming. So uh, I said, you can borrow these. You can finish the scanning. I'm going to come back for them someday. And I remember clear as a bell. We're, we're standing uh, late at night, 11-ish. Uh, he's putting a box of Xeroxes into his back seat. I'm putting a box of Xeroxes into his trunk. And we close the doors, and I look at him. I say, now, these are loans. I'm not giving you this. these. These are a loan. And, you know, Randy's like, oh, yeah, a loan. Yeah. And I, also, when I come back for them, I do not want to hear you say, well, I thought you gave me those. And you know the first thing he said when I came back for him? Um, I thought you, I thought gave, you gave me those? Me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so kind of interesting how that comes in a circle so you decide that you want these back and obviously you contacted him and as i understand it you had the one first contact and then you haven't heard from him in like a month or something yeah, well, it was funny uh he seemed amicable to the return he said you know the stuff that uh okay um i had given him a, um, a box early on uh, and they sent me a uh, receipt, copy for me, copy for the uh, museum, and it was uh, it's good, you know. Everything that was in the box is listed. I got my receipt. They got a copy of it. I've never seen another one since. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, until I sign off on this stuff, it's still mine. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm still perfectly willing to give them everything else, but not the Xeroxes. Well, and that's another thing. As a museum, I don't care whether you're the Tiddlywink Museum or the Left Nostril Nosehaler Museum, if huh. you have someone that is donating artifacts that you would never be able to get anywhere else, and they have generously done so to the tune of hundreds and thousands of, of things... And they very graciously say, hey, you know, that one thing right. that I told you that I would ask for someday, I'm asking for it now. And, you know, do it, you know, scan them, do what you're going to do with it, give them back. Any museum, oh, and, and any even, museum even worth it. Even better, even better, because they're all scanned, they can be manipulated in Photoshop. Sure. So the, the copies that were printed out would be superior <laughs> the original Xerox. Right, right. Any museum worth its salt to avoid looking like just an, a bunch of ingrates or buffoons well, or both is going to say, here you are. You know, yeah. The best thing Sorry for... Sorry there was a misunderstanding. Yes, the best thing for them to have done would have just been... Uh, exactly. Sorry there was a misunderstanding. Here comply. Are some stuff. Exactly. Yeah, just comply. And what really irritated me was that 
Rand said, you know, uh, give me like four days on this. Uh, I'll get back to you uh, on Sunday, and uh, we'll clear everything up. And then for like a month and a week, nothing, not a word. Wouldn't answer my calls. I must have called the guy 20 times. It's been interesting to me because I've been, of course, uh, soaking up everything on Facebook, on the various groups that associate with Mr. Kirby. Right. There's a few people that'll, you know, take pot shots, but the majority of people have almost immediately gravitated to Jack wouldn't like this. Yeah. It's uh, it's amazing. I, I don't want to evoke Jack. I wouldn't, you know, I mean, they can. It's fine. I, you know. Well, it was interesting I, I to me. Them. It was interesting to me that the sort of the spirit of Jack, all these guys just sort of immediately gravitated to that particular um you should probably shoot a little straighter with people kind of attitude. Yeah. And I'm bewildered. I'm just bewildered, you know. I've known Rand for five years, maybe maybe longer. Always been a, a real sweet guy, honest. Well, seemed that way. So, which leads me to believe that Maybe it's just not Rand, you know? Maybe there's something else going on behind the scenes. Do you think it's just uh, ineptitude? I mean, just... No, you know? not at all. No, no, this is very good. <laughs> they did a, they did a, uh, a press release denying the, the, my, my right to my material. Well, and that press release was incredibly confusing. I mean, it, it wasn't very specific. It didn't... Everybody that I have spoken to has read it, has had the same opinion. It's kind of vague, oddly worded. It doesn't say anything. It doesn't not say anything. They don't actually show any proof. I mean, why wouldn't they include these documents that you've signed and that they have? I'd like to see them. And you know what it all boils down to at the very end? Until I sign off on this, it's still mine. Yeah, and you know what? My dad changed his will six times. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, and it wasn't it wasn't over until he signed and died. Okay. Well, I've known you for a while, and you can be cantankerous and you can be particular, but you're not um, a person that runs away from your agreements. Uh, oh, no. You will. You will. Well, on- I try not to. You- I mean, you know, come on. I've been publishing for forty five years. I'm, I probably missed something in there somewhere. But you, all you got to do is bring it to my attention, and I'll I'll get to it. Yeah, well, I know of instances where you made the agreement, and it wasn't you know the greatest agreement on maybe your end once you got into it. But you go ahead and you fulfill that. Yeah, and uh, you're not the kind of person that just just brings things up out of uh, whole cloth and smoke and mirrors and bailing wire and uh, creates controversy. Why would I? <laughs> why, why would I want to go through something like this? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, my whole thing. Everything that I had connected to Kirby, you know, pretty much in my files, uh, I gave them. Talk about ingrates. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's spectacularly ungrateful. Uh, and I, I can't see any museum. I mean, come on, the, the Rock and Moral Museum in, in Cleveland. Some somebody comes in and here's all my Beatles stuff, and I'm uh, Brian England's nephew. Here it is. Here's all of it. But oh, by the way, this one thing that my dad had, I'm gonna let you have it. Put it on display. But sometime I might want it for my kid or for something here at the house. And so I'm a, 
and then later on he comes back and they go, nah, I don't think so. And, no, he, it's, it's a, and they're trying to, to uh, tag all of the rest of the material under the one box. That somehow there's a, you know, because you gave that box, and of course we own the rest. Yeah, that that's just not. I, I can't figure out that reasoning. It's not uh, professional. It's not, you know, they. Ah, did, well, they, that's an understatement. They did it the first time. I mean, they're a museum. They should be into documentation. And I would think that they, to get a license, you have to agree to do that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, this is really puzzling to me because I sit there and I think, what's in it for them other than to just keep the stuff, uh, which, you know. Well, it is a long story history on the Xeroxes, and the estate simply doesn't want me to have them. Really? Why not? Yep. Just because they want them or? I don't know. There might, might be some sibling rivalry going on here. Uh, maybe they... they just don't like me to enough that they're going to give me some grief. Wow. It's, it's really, really sad. Now, do you feel like at some point this could come to a head and you could say, well, just give me back all the stuff then, except for the first box? I'm moving very steadily in that direction. The longer they take to return my Xeroxes, the less I am inclined to give them the other five or six boxes. And just what, what is in these other five or six boxes? What kind of stuff that would make the average comic book, you know, aficionado or Jack Kirby fan drool? Oh, you name it. Uh, hundreds of uh, photostats I used in producing the, uh, the Kirby books. By the way, I produced 15 Kirby books. Mm -hmm. I think that's the most for any independent. Well, and your, oh. your, your biography of him is incredible. I'm sorry, you're breaking up. Your biography of him is incredible. I'm a bit deep in this year. <laughs> Sucker. Uh, yeah, the the biography. I couldn't quit reading it. It was, uh, you know, amazing. It was it was written in a very street level style. Mm -hmm. You know, as I knew Kirby, street level guy. You know, there are no long convoluted sentences. There are no long, convoluted thoughts. I put it across the way that Kirby would put it across in real life. He was just a guy. Now, when you know? did you first become aware of Jack Kirby? I mean, do you remember the moment or the comic you were reading? Yeah. Or? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Fly Comics, number one, in 1957. Might be 58. And it, was it a thing where you saw the art and you said, God, who did this? Or... And then did you start noticing it was the same guy, the same guy, the same guy? No, 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 no. It was the, it was the uh, concept. It was the fly. I mean, the fly? <laughs> the superhero called the fly? I mean, just, you know, and the whole crazy world that he set up. And after a couple of years, we began to see, hey, look, there's a guy that draws mouths like this. Yeah, that's him. Well, we didn't know for a long time there was Jack Kirby. We finally figured it out when Dick Ayer started signing Kirby's name in the Marvel books. Mm -hmm. Do you remember? And that was a revelation. <laughs> I remember exactly the first time I read the credits. I said, my God, this name is, this artist's name is Kirby Ayers. Not realizing that Ayers was the anchor. <laughs> now, do you... Do Kirby you, Ayers, my I, favorite artist. What was your first face-to-face -face meeting like? Tremble. 
<laughs> oh, tremble. Where was yeah, it? Yeah. How did it happen? Did you just did? I mean, because that was back in the day. You probably could have walked up to the offices and knocked on the door or something. You know, I mean. Oh well, I did. This Frequently. Is, this is in New York. Did the first time you met him? Yeah. Uh, convention. It was uh, at the corner of Forty Second Street and the Third. Not uh, Roosevelt. I can't remember what it used to be called. Maybe the Sheridan. And uh, I go, I, I go up, and he's uh, he's mobbed. There's like twenty kids just standing around him. Kirby's got his hand, hands in his pockets. Well, uh, yeah, I, I guess so. I'm. I'm. <laughs> and uh, I, I, you know, I went over and met Roz, and she says, well, you know, sorry, kids, uh, Kirby's got to go. And uh, we rounded up the rest of the family and went to Howard Johnson's downstairs across the street. And uh, Sunday's for everybody. And I never saw, you know, I knew Kirby from that point forward. I mean, I'd known him since 68 over the phone. But, you know, first in person. I never saw that guy as happy in his life as when he was eating a chocolate sundae. He ate that thing with gusto. Hello? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just... So you had already sort of talked to him on the phone for quite some time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, we used to belong to uh, the Fantasy Fan and Comic Collectors Group in Detroit. Uh, Arvel Jones and Desmond Jones were uh, were running it. And somewhere along the line, we decided, hey, well, nobody's done a book on Kirby. Let's do a book on Kirby. It's like, oh, but how could we do this? We can't afford to, to print costs. Here's an idea. Why don't we do this book on three-hole punch paper? And every couple of months, we'll send out, you know, ten more pages. And people can buy them ten pages at a time. Well, a great idea. So, okay, uh, Sheldorf, the uh, founder of the San Diego Comic Book Convention, uh, had founded the Detroit Triple Fanfare. And he decided to move to California, I don't know, 69 or 70. But, so we, you know, we all knew Shell, love Shell. And uh, I called up Shell and I said, hey, uh, is there any way you could get an introduction to, uh, to me, for, through, to, to Kirby? He says, yeah, let me check. And, you know, he calls me back. He says, yeah, Kirby's fine. Let me call him up. So I call up Kirby and I explain the, the deal. And Kirby says, Al, who's going to write this thing? And it hadn't occurred to us. <laughs> like, well, we're getting a lot out of ourselves. But, uh, you know, I was a pretty good writer even then. So I said, well, I guess I am. And Kirby says, all right, then. Here's my official biographer. Which he, he gave that you know, title to several other people later because he was such a sweetie. But I was first in line. So I started putting stuff together, interviewing him, doing research, doing a checklist. And uh, I don't know. Let's get, what do you want to talk about? Well, I mean, at what point did he start becoming familiar with your work? And then when did you actually start working sort of, you know, hand-to-hand with him? Well, um... 
I had the option of going into comics or illustration. And uh, for a business that makes its money by having heroes, companies were, were full of villains. <laughs> I couldn't believe. So I started doing illustration and sending them proofs of my work. And, and you know, like every good father, uh, I believe that Jack wanted Neil, his son, to follow in his footsteps. I mean, when I was five, my old man made me a carpentry box. <laughs> I have no interest in being a carpenter. And yet the tools helped me figure out how to construct things. So, uh, I'm about Neil's age, and I'm, you know, I can't get enough of Kirby. Every time I call him, I like got to know everything about your life. And I don't, I don't know how how much Neil. And I love Neil. I don't know how much uh, he really, you know, because around my house, the only time we hear the old man talk was when he decided to tell a story. Uh-huh. I don't know, I was, I was fascinated by everything that had occurred in his life. So it was a bonding thing. And uh, I'm sitting out by the pool. Beautiful mountaintop, you know, just gorgeous. And uh, Ross comes out. And she says, we need to talk. <laughs> and it was about 86 or something. No, it couldn't have been that late. Early 80s. Anyway, she's like, we need to talk. I'm like, uh-oh, what now? You know? <laughs> the time the woman with the gray hair came after me and said, we need to talk, and I was in for it. So uh, we go into the sitting room, and Jack's already in there. And they sit me down, and they say, uh, what do you think of us? <laughs> like, weird, but you know. I'd There's a question. <laughs> I said, uh, oh, you know, it's like you're my grandparents. And they both visibly deflated. I was like, oh, God, I guess that was a mistake. I said, you know, I would have said my parents, but I didn't think I had the right. And Roz looks at me and says, think of us as your parents. Wow. But, I mean, all the way along, uh, from the very beginning of knowing him, uh, you know. My own parents have never said that to me. <laughs> well, I wouldn't either, if I were them. Yeah. <laughs> it's a deniability factor that you've got to figure in. Yeah, even I can't blame them. <laughs> well, so that, that had to floor you. Yeah, yeah. So, now, uh, I get a call from Roz. Uh, around, damn, it's all a blur. 80, well, 85 or 86, I'm thinking. Yeah, I was 86. Get a call from Ross. I was like, oh no, what is it? Jack's dead. Like, no, no, <laughs> Jack's not dead. Please, anytime you call me, like uh, the first of your out of your mouth, okay? All right, hello, Greg. Jack isn't dead. <laughs> All right. I said, so what's up? And she says, well, you know, Jack and I are, you know, we're not going to live forever. We're planning on giving away the artwork that's hanging around the house to our closest friends. And she says, uh, what do you want? 
I said, I've got like 200 pages of Kirby artwork. You know, what would be the best for me would be give me the Xeroxes. It'll save me making 3,500, 3,000 copies and lugging two and a half boxes to the post office to return it. She said, that's all you want? I said, yeah. One of the earliest visits there, I used to drive uh, Julie Schwartz and the Kirby's uh, to the San Diego Conant home, back to Thousand Oaks, for about, you know, like eight years, maybe a decade. Who's keeping track? <laughs> and I would sleep in his uh, studio. I mean, like super cool, like surrounded by all these fabulous pieces of Kirby artwork. And, uh, you know, Jack says, uh, take a ride on the place. So, you know, I'm looking around, and he's got these wood cabinets, uh, built-in bookcase and wood cabinets underneath. And I, I start looking in, and I was like, holy shit, man. This is full of pencil Xeroxes. <laughs> Stacks of them. And then I started digging through the closet, and there's more there. And the next day, I was riding around the garage, and there was more there. And a cat had been using it as a cat box. <laughs> oh, wow. oh, boy. For, fortunately, only the couple of top ones were ruined. Look, nobody seems to care about this stuff. All out of order. Completely out of order. So they'd go to bed, and I would uh, sit there, and I'd, here's, Kirby, here's a commandy page, here's a demon page, here's a Mr. Miracle page, sorting these out by a hero to begin with, and then by issue number and chronologically after that. Yeah, those are my, you know, I put a lot of archival time into that. And, uh, so, people, uh, on the outside begin saying, well, you know, when are you going to give the stuff you borrowed back to the Kirby's? And I don't know, she gave me that stuff. She gave me the Xeroxes. Call her, ask her. She'll tell you. Right. So it was a, you know, kind of a, uh, anyway, uh, there were a lot of people in fandom, that still are in Kirby fandom for that matter, that were out to get me. Uh, Chrissy Harper, who did the Jack Kirby quarterly, finally brought it to my attention. She said, uh, "You, I, I might get into trouble for this, but you need to see these emails that they're sending me about you. And I was like, what the fuck? Let's cut Kirby, cut Feekston out of the Kirby deal. You know? Well, it's the same thing sort of happened with Betty Page. I mean, you know. Oh, nobody actually came after me on Betty Page. I mean, the lawyer was, my agent was an asshole, but. Well, you know, that's kind of his job. Well, the no, no, it wasn't, it wasn't like an organized fandom trying to get me away from what I was doing very well. I noticed some people sniping away at you on the Facebook stuff, and I just was so tempted to to you know, this some nebbish has a problem with you or whatever, and I'm like, hey, you know, one person who didn't have a problem with him, Jack Kirby, mm. oh Kirby fan, yeah. Sh- yeah. shut up. It's, you know, uh, the, nobody has disputed that there were Xeroxes in boxes that you handed into a man's hand. I mean, nobody has, th- th- that just, 
how did it get from point A to point B? Exactly. And where did you get it, and why did you have it, and all that other kind of stuff? Now, your your working relationship with Kirby, how did it evolve in terms of? What? Oh, we did the uh, uh, Jack Kirby Treasury, and I said, "Come on, Jack, will you do a, a wraparound cover for this, will you? All your 1950s characters." And he got them all except for the Boys Ranch characters. I was like, okay, I'm pretty amazed. And, well, who's going to ink this? I'm like, me? <laughs> so I got a big piece of acetate, and I inked it. That was the first time I inked Kirby. What was he, was he uh, demanding? I mean, would, would he make you reduce stuff? Would he? Oh, no, he... never. No, 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 no. So, okay, so back to the son story. Okay, in his eyes, he wanted a son be an artist, but I leapfrogged over him, and I went into illustration, which was every comic book artist's dream is to graduate up to, to doing illustration. So he had, you know, he had a lot of respect for my artistic talent, because I was painting paperback covers. And TV guide covers. Well, not and covers, interiors. Movie posters and... Yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's, it's a psychological thing that all of these uh, golden age artists, it's like they wanted to get out of comics as quickly as possible and work for the Saturday Evening Post being a painter. So by doing that, it's like, not only is my, you know, he's my surrogate son, sweet Jesus, he's an illustrator. Mm-hmm. So no, he was like, do whatever you want with it. And he told... Thibodeau and Royer, that was pretty early on, it was like 1971 with Royer, don't change anything. So frequently, uh, construction lines that really didn't belong in the drawing would get inked. (laughs) And, you know, where it could use just a little flux in the hair. No, no, it's just whatever Kirby drew, trace it over with ink. Yeah. So uh, I got the, yeah, you know, he let me do whatever I wanted on his inks. What do you think the biggest misconception about Jack Kirby is? Um, that he was born with, that he was a genius. We, we, I've t- I talked to him many times about the struggles of being an artist. No, no, you know, there is no magic uh, pot of gold. There's no magic pencils, no, no. He worked very, very, very hard. Misconceptions about Jack. Oh, he seems like a real calm, reserved, sweetheart of a guy. That man had some rage in him. But, but he couldn't have done those comic books without that rage. Right. What, what, what was the Lennon and McCartney of him and Stan Lee? What was the, you know, like the key point of each guy in that relationship oh well obviously uh, kirby visualizing and coming up with uh uh finishing out the plots sometimes eventually doing basically all the plot lee lee was the greatest snake oil salesman comics has ever seen kirby would not be as well known today if it hadn't been for stan lee right he he really sold that line in a way that Actually, it's it's kind of a throwback to the early timely comics of 
1940 and 41, and its uh, sensibilities. The splash pages look like movie posters. They look like movie posters at D.C. Well, he knew who he was talking to. Well, he sort of did, yeah. He had, a, he had a daughter, so he was kind of in touch. It was so over the top, and I just remember, I mean, because I like some of the DC comics too, but I just remember the Marvel comics being, you know, each page, every turn, you didn't know what was going to happen. With DC, you kind of did. Yeah, it was a real formula. Uh, at, at Marvel, Stan would write hip, and at DC, the editors, the old-time editors would write hap, H-E-P. Yeah, like, yeah. dude. Nobody's used HAP since, like, 42, maybe the end of the war. I don't know. 33 skidoo. <laughs> 30... When you say HAP, we know you're not hip. Hubba Hubba and 33 skidoo showing up in late 60s yeah, era Batman that, episodes. And there was, was, was a certain mentality among the editors that, you know, this is a grind, this is a sausage factory. We turn them out, we turn them out this way, don't, don't change anything. They, they, they couldn't figure out. Marvel's success. They thought it was ugly. That and all the, the the thing that I really didn't like about DC was they were all goody two shoes. They were all squeaky clean, you know. And Marvel's characters. Well, were like, they, were the, they were all guys in their mid fifties yeah. uh, with families, and that's all they'd been doing since nineteen forty four. And uh, <laughs> you know, and there was a. And, and, they could be imperious pricks in the, in the industry and in DC in particular. What do you really? think? What? How do you think Jack would react to um, the like the phenomenon of the comic revolution right now? All the movies and the convention. He knew it was coming. He told me in the early seventies that. He says, you know, we, we, all of the ancient civilizations have had gods. We don't have any gods. So my plan is to make a bunch of gods for modern man. <laughs> and, he knew, and he knew it was going to be better paper. We talked about it all the time. Bigger formats in, in legitimate bookstores. Yeah, no, he... he, he he tried. He even tried doing some of that stuff when uh, in the fifties with uh, uh, Mainline and uh, Prize, trying to get Digest comic books on the on the racks and full magazines. So he did with the magazine uh, versions of uh, Days of the Mob and the Spirit World. That an adult may not go over and pile through a bunch of comics, but if they're browsing and oh, what's this? That it was a whole different audience that comics hadn't been addressing, adults. So, yeah. Yeah, he was fully aware uh, of where, where it was going and what was going to happen. And by the end of his life, even though the movies had not been produced yet, there had been enough merchandising that he knew that he had scored. But yeah, he had made new gods for a modern man. Well, and especially with, I mean, I'm a movie guy, but, I, I, you know, we we just couldn't have had the movies we have now before the technology allowed for it. I mean, the, right. the uh, I'm, I, I just wonder what it would be like for him to be sitting in a theater 
and see the Avengers or whatever and just actually see those characters doing things in three dimensions that he he probably saw in his head, but the rest of us had to wait for the movie to see. You know, it was very interesting. I was studying the Avengers uh, as it was unreeling, and they're giving depth the way the Kirby would give depth. If somebody is leaping, and that, that knee is really, really, really out front, and that foot is way, 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 way back. So, I mean, even, even in the visual presentation of how movies are made, Kirby, you know, come on, Star Wars, Doctor Doom, Darth Vader. Well, that and the, the, this, the Kirby, you know, those comics look like storyboards, which is what they should look like. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's what I tell people that don't know how to do a storyboard. It's like, have you ever seen a really good comic book yet? Well, that's what a storyboard should look like, and vice mm-hmm. versa. Um, it's, it's awesome to me when Thor comes down and lands on his knee in that great pose. There you go. Right. Uh, that's, that's Kirby. Man. You know, they've really kept that. They've done a really good job of, of making it new enough that it's new, but the, the, there's some really canon-esque stuff that they've left in there. And when, when I see stuff like that, I mean, I, that immediately that's like, that's Jack Kirby right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he just he, he set up a template. Everybody else just follow this. Yeah. And it's not to take away some, from Ditko, but I'm certain that Ditko was influenced. Mm-hmm. Did did Kirby talk to you about his influences? Yeah. Uh, who were they? Oh, yeah. Please tell me Lou Fine was one of them. I'm such a Lou. You turned me oh, on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lou Fine, Lou Fine, the first king of comics. Yeah, he had uh, Lou Fine material in his collection all the way to the end. I not that he ever looked at it again. But yeah, that was a, a huge. Uh, and you know, Tunerville trolley or something. You know, all of these. Crazy newspaper strips that you know. I had very little, and, and you know why? I never heard of that before. Yeah, comic strips. That because uh, he was an impoverished child in the Lower East Side of New York, so comics didn't exist at that point. You know, where are you going to get your visual entertainment? The garbage can. <laughs> Fish eight rat. major dailies. You've got eight major comic book sections. Sunday, my God, Sunday, it's all in color. Mm-hmm. If you weren't too proud to put your hand into a garbage can. Now, did you, uh, when you grew up, were they the funnies? You, uh, they were, yeah, they were known as the funnies, but not exclusively comics. Yeah, because were... some newspapers are like the Detroit Times across the top of the front said comics. So right, right. With comics. It said comics on ours, but backwoods people from Indiana, I think, probably still call them the funnies. Yeah, that's redundant, but yeah, okay. And uh, I, always, I couldn't figure out why they were called the funnies because Prince Valiant was always in it. Yeah, right. I yeah, never, never got a laugh out of Prince Valiant, not once. Uh, not intended to. Yeah, so, uh, oh, and Alex Raymond. Apparently Alex Raymond was a, was a big, man, I like the way what makes these people pose naturally. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of the few swipes I've ever found in Kirby's work was an Alex Raymond swipe. 
So what else is going on with you other than this controversy? What are you are you working on some stuff that's exciting? Well, I'm working on my autobiography still. You got a new chapter now. I, I had to chuckle. I had to chuckle because I should be writing this chapter of the biography as it unfolds. You know, there's going to be a whole chapter, maybe two, on this Xerox copy thing. How do you pronounce? I should be writing it while it's unfolding. How do you pronounce? Like a reporter. Rans, is it Hop or Hoppy? Hoppy. And he is he the curator? Yeah, but his official title, I believe, is treasurer. I gotcha. Uh, he, he's it's in the basement of his house in Hoboken. Well, I, I'm just sad the whole thing's happened to you. I I, I know that that's. <sighs> I, I just, when I saw it, I went, this is serious because Greg doesn't do this kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and it's not just a dirty deal that I'm going to handle. I mean, this is like 40 years of, of research and stealing my material in Jack Kirby's name. I just will not stand. Well, and then that press release, which... If you read it, all that you can think of is a monkey fighting a duck in a bathtub. I mean, it is, it's, like I said, spectacularly Unspectacular. vague. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, uh. What, what do you think the next, the next step is? Do you file civilly? Do the police still have to uh, look at it? The next step is file a stolen uh, goods report with the uh, Hoboken police. Wow. I'll probably do that tomorrow. Wow, I can't understand why this guy hasn't at least gotten back to you personally. That they should have contacted you back personally to some degree. Uh huh. Uh, how do you spell lawyer? It's, it's just, definitely a lawyer's hand in this right now. Yeah, and it, it's like this is just no good for them. I'm like, where's the win here? It, 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 All right. Do you, do you, here's the here's the topper to the whole story. <laughs> um, you know, when I moved to Atlanta, I unloaded my storage space, which I'd had for like nine years. Ridiculous. And I'm finding all this stuff. It's like, yeah, I can sell this on eBay. I sell this on eBay. So I started selling stuff on eBay. And I sent a, uh, sold a few of the uh, Xeroxes, keeping me along, going along here while I'm making my transition from uh, publisher to artist done with publishing so there's a monetary value connected to these you know we're talking minimum 30 bucks a piece to maximum maybe 175 for covers and really really good splashes uh -huh. so we're talking about I don't know $200,000 worth of Xeroxes uh huh that's, that doesn't matter what they're worth. They're mine. Give me back. Well, they're not going to sell them anyway. No, they just don't want me to have them, I guess. Yeah, that's I just... Don't know. That's... So, anyway, back to the point. Back in 83 or 84, I can never remember, but I remember it was Valentine's Day. I took professional videotape equipment out to... Thousand Oaks, and inter interviewed Jack for it must have been eight hours. Professional grade 
you know, wonderful camera, beautiful microphone, beautiful interview, nicely lit, couple of lights. And we just talked about his entire life for eight hours. Now, it's like, well, you know, I've been thinking about this for a while, and uh, I should probably do this, this Kirby thing as a, a, a documentary. You know, get it bumped up to a, a high def, which I did. And that one was on me. And the, the uh, opening credits and the closing titles, that's already taken care of. But I'm stalled in the water because I don't have $75,000 to pay a, a graphic motion uh, studio to, you know, pan and scan panels and, uh, you know, fade-ins and fade-outs and adjust the sound here. and Color should be a little better. No, 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 I can't afford that. So I want the Xeroxes back so I can finance a documentary. And I told this to Rand. It's not like they're going to be surprised. No, 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 no. This is more Kirby for Kirby. Interestingly enough, I uh, I gave him uh, uh, access to all of my videotapes as well, so he's got copies of this stuff. Well, you wouldn't a Kirby Museum guy say, "Oh, you're going to use these things, which you know I can scan. You're gonna you're gonna use hmm? these to finance a documentary finance another Kirby about project. Kirby. Well, we can't yeah, have it's not that. Like I'm going to go on a cruise to Rio or something. Right, right. <laughs> well, you know, there's always yeah. Kickstarter. You know, I may have to go ahead and do that. I'm a big boy. I'd much rather do it on my own. Right. Uh, every time I see a Kickstarter project, it's like, come on, you couldn't, you gotta, you couldn't come up with take another mortgage in the house or something. <laughs> well, I, I just, I'm still struck by the, the, the just the illogic of. Here's all this stuff, but I'm only Raisin. talking about this one it's thing. Raisin. You know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, 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 see, I, I would tell you exactly how many boxes of stuff I gave them, but I never got receipts for it, so I don't know how many boxes they actually carted out. I'm thinking about eight. Mm. Well, I just want two of those. You can have the other six. Oh, are you surprised that the are you surprised at the press that this has gotten? Um, it hasn't gotten that much press. <laughs> oh, I, I've seen it's pop. It's starting to pop up uh, yes, a, a yes. lot of different places now on the internet. Yes, well, it's, it's you know it's like a virus; it gets around. <laughs> but uh, Bleeding Cool uh, interviewed me last night. I kind of expected it up already, but probably tomorrow. I think it is. The new one's up? Yeah. Well, good grief. What am I doing talking to you? I know. I have no idea. I've... All right. Well, uh, All my guests, okay, I let's wonder. Just, let's just continue on. Um, I presented my entire story to the guy, and he's an amazing journalist. I mean, we started talking after the, uh, after the interview, and this guy's got creds up the butt. He was Stan Lee's publicist for a decade. Oh, wow. I mean, and that's not all. He sold screenplays and worked with Mike Uslan. And, no, the guy's got creds. It's like, why Why did you feel that you should come out and do a piece on this? He says, 
the industry can't afford to keep treating people like this. You know, it's supposed to be about heroes. It's populated by a lot of villains. It's just, we, we can't shit on ourselves anymore. We can't let it happen. So, and we spent a good hour and a half and covered it all. Wow. Yeah, it's just, it just, it galls me. It galls me. I haven't commented on any of these Facebook things. As you know, I, I can get a little testy on the Facebook. And yeah. I, I didn't do it because I knew we were having this interview. But the thing that galls me is you're just not a guy named Pete. I mean, you know, you're you're the guy that donated all of this stuff. It just, like I said, any other kind of museum in the world uh, that had somebody done the things that you've done for them would be bending over backwards to show their appreciation. Yes, and taking me to dinner. Exactly. Worshipping you as the dinner. Oh, oh, and I, I, to top it all off, you know, Rand scanned about two-thirds of what I had on hand. And I said, the only thing I'm going to ask is copies of these scans so that I don't have to scan them. They already exist. Just, you know, burn me a couple of thumb drives. And I've never seen that either. I mean, all of these promises that were not kept. Well, there's not going to be a museum for very long with that kind of behavior. I mean, museums, the, the successful ones, are that you almost feel the philanthropy when you talk to them. I mean, God, when I go to the Sixth Floor Museum here in Dallas, it's all about me and all about, hey, we're, we're the, the shrine for this information. And anything we can do to further that, we're never going to ruffle a feather, ever. Oh, well, see, they've already, they've already got everything, so I guess it doesn't matter. I guess. <laughs> I guess, but still. Uh, 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 just keep your promises and everything will be fine. So um, I'm just moving ahead with, uh, you know, and I don't want to start paying a $200 an hour lawyer. And if this goes to trial, there's no way that they can win. They have no paperwork backing this up. I didn't sign off on it. Well, I would think in the credibility department, you would probably have them, you know. Yeah, I can see it now. Uh, Mr. Hoppy, where did you study museum sciences? Uh, I didn't. Have you ever worked in a museum? Uh, no. So what qualifies you to run a museum? I like Kirby's art. <laughs> <laughs> what qualifies you to run this museum? Uh, Grandma wasn't using the basement. Um, but you know what is, it's a real simple, oh, by the way, <laughs> listen, this is irreplaceable stuff. You're in Hoboken, New Jersey. Don't leave them in the basement. <laughs> if you're going to leave in the basement, put them on the top shelf near the ceiling in Tupperware. I don't want to hear someday that your basement was flooded. Sorry. Uh, it's a simple legal matter. Who has the stuff? We, the museum have the stuff. Okay. Um, how did you get it? He gave it to us. Do you have any paperwork on that? No. Okay. Well, then it's his again then, see? Because uh -huh. you, you admitted he gave you this material, and you don't have anything that says it's your property. He lent you this material. Exactly. You, yeah. He put it You don't in have anything that says he gave it to you. Right. You don't have anything that says and you know, anything. I, I didn't keep a lot of paperwork on this 
because uh, I thought Rand was a good guy. You know, I could have kept every email that we translated back and forth and made him sign paperwork right and left. I was like, no, he's a good guy. He'll, he'll do what he says. Well, and plus, after the receipt of the receipt that you first uh, got, it's like, oh, well, these guys are just going to feed me back what I'm sending them. Great. You know. Yeah. Oh, and um, it's not only for a tax write-off. I want to know what I contributed to the museum. You know, if this actually... I told uh, Rand, if you ever get a brick-and-mortar museum, I'll give you the Xeroxes. But as long as it's a museum in your basement, you're not getting them, okay? You can, you can scan them, but you can't have them. I don't know. I lost my train of thought here. I got so angry. No, no. That was, I think that was the, the I was, oh, talk, oh, I was the talking about the, you know. Nine. Taxes. I wanted to put taxes. And I took, the, I wrote it off on my taxes, that first receipt. Acknowledgement. Yeah. I wrote, them, I wrote it off my taxes. Hey, I like this. <laughs> Keep this coming. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the other thing, how, how much of this material in the Kirby Museum did I donate? That's what I wanted to know. Because very easily, I could be disappeared. Yeah, well, there's no paperwork on this, so we really don't remember who gave it to us. I don't know. Stuff just came in a box at a time, and we don't, you know, I don't know. What's this? 20 years from now, brick and mortar. Hey, look at this. It's a box of stuff. Where did that come from? I don't know. Is it in the records? Hmm. Well, oh, well. museums, of course, known for their documentation, but secondarily, without donors and contributors like yourself, they ain't no museums. Yeah. And museums mostly go out of their way to... Mm-hmm. You know, you can see a, a paper cup that was crumpled up on Dealey Plaza, you know, contributed by the family of Bubba Jean and Morty Kyler or whatever. I mean, they, they go out of their way to acknowledge those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Yes. Well, um, where did you study uh, museum sciences? sciences? Uh, I didn't. You ever worked in a museum? Uh, nope. And you know, he's, aside from all of this, if this had never happened, Rand is a lovable lummox. He's a big, goofy guy. And he came in and he says, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a museum. And it's like, I'm kind of dubious. <laughs> I don't know if, you're gonna, if you got it in you to, to do a museum. Well, it's not a sentence you hear a lot. No, no. I'm gonna start. Me, hand, I'm gonna start up a museum. Uh, on the other hand, uh, nobody else was doing it, so I kind of felt it. You know, all right, I'll I'll help them as much as I can, and did. Well, I saw somebody had posted, "No good deed goes unpunished," and unpunished, that's yeah. that's mm-hmm. the the moral of this story. I. Uh, it's almost like you did something bad to them rather than, you know, decorate their museum. Something good for them. Yeah, the opposite. Irony. Well, part of the problem, too, is once the Kirby's died, um, I stopped sending money to the estate. But, frankly, all this stuff is public domain, and I'm sending 
anywhere between 25 to 50 percent of the profits on each Kirby book to Jack and Ross. You know, like sending your folks money. I mean, legitimately, I was using his name, sure. Well, and that's another thing in the integrity department. You know, I tell a lot of people the story of the Betty Pages uh, and how you had had a tidy sum for her yeah. uh, from that. You didn't just, you know, profiteer off of her. No, when she came out of seclusion, et cetera. No, she, she, got, she got 15% of everything I made on the Betty Pages. Literally 15% of everything I made. Yeah, I mean, that that I is... I calculated it all up when the second annual was published. <laughs> the profit that came out of that was almost exactly what I owed Betty. I didn't make any money on the last one. Uh-huh. Well, I, I spent all the money. I just, I, you know, somebody who does that is going to make up a story about Xeroxes. I don't think so. No, why? No, I'm not making up. And, and for God's sakes, Xeroxes? I could be making up a story. Yeah. I'm, you know, have sex involved somewhere. <laughs> well, you are getting screwed. Well, all right then. <laughs> Badoom. How's George Templeton strong these days? I, George, um, I, I, I haven't seen George lately. I haven't either. I, I, God, those are like such. Those make my day when I when I see those. Yeah, writing in an arcane, antiquated style. And yet, one of the best reporters I've ever read. I like how you work in modern-day observations and, uh, like, current (laughs) events in. Like, if you're not Mm -hmm. paying attention, you might not know. Uh, But I I one day want to see all those in, like, a journal (laughs) or something. I mean, they're just so awesome. Yeah, they're they're fun to do because I, it's uh, it's like doing a crossword puzzle. That's what it's like, making all the pieces fit, uh, and then in the end, it's perfect. You know what I like in Kirby's drawing machines too? Doing a jigsaw puzzle, no, a crossword puzzle. But by doing, you know, it's like, well, no, that that won't work. What word could I use here? What shapes could I use here? You transpose uh, words to shapes in a tightly formatted structure. It, uh, Kirby's machinery is a, a crossword puzzle, so to speak. Yeah. So, well, uh, I should probably let you go because I know that you have a busy litiginous. You know. I don't want to. I don't want to. Oh, and, you know. I can't see how I couldn't win in court. And when I do, that's how optimistic I am, he's going to pay for my legal fees, he's going to pay for his legal fees, and he's going to pay for the court fees. And that'll put the museum out of business. Yeah. Unless they build an enclosed porch or something. You know, and the, the humiliation that the first major contributor had to sue them. Yeah, there won't be there won't be a whole bunch more contributors lining up. You know, yeah. uh, that that that's foolish. Um, you could well, have easily you know, taken that collection 
and given it to the comic book museum or the hell you could have oh, uh, 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 the Ohio Comic Art Library at uh, Ohio State or you could have put it or the uh, you know Department of Popular Culture at uh, Bowling Green you you could have also taken it at um, and built yourself a, a traveling uh, display that just goes to cons everywhere and it's a booth and it's your museum like and, and you sell yourself you just build it once i know people uh, trust me you build it yeah, once yeah, it's yeah, collapsible yeah. but i'm saying you could have done a million things with it oh yeah i got to yeah of course but it's the jack kirby museum and research center i guess they need some research material yeah anybody can come in ideally and research out of my stuff I, I told him. I said, "Look, there's no anybody that wants copies of this work. You you are free to send it to them. I encourage it. You are now my conduit to from them to my collection." If only you had the whole some point background is to make in, it in make it accessible to the public. If only you had some background in preserving comics. Actually, I have a lot of background in destroying <laughs> them. Do you really? Mm-hmm. Beakstonizing, my friend. Yes, that's what I was getting at. That's just, like, <laughs> there's another thing on the credibility pile. Is this is a guy with 10,000 pages or something, or 100,000 pages? Closer to 12,000 uh, retouch pages. Yeah. yeah, what a waste of time. Well, oh, you know, so I gave all of, uh, I think I gave all of the, well, many of the uh, stats that I used to produce the Kirby books. I spent hours retouching those stats. So not only are they getting a nice black and white copy of whatever is representative, they're getting my retouching on top of it. My work. I donated my work. Yeah, that's just... Well, I'm, I'm hopeful that they'll come to their senses. There's a weekend coming up. Maybe somebody there will... Hey, hey I, hey, all, I all I'm waiting for is the next major comic book convention the museum shows up at. Well, let me know where that's going to be. I'll bring a camera. Yeah, yeah right. I will. You know, like, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not really sure where or when. Uh, I went up to the Kirby Museum site to see you know, if there was a rebuttal. And they had taken down all of the text. There's no text on the site anymore. As of last night. What do you think that means? I think they just didn't want to confuse any more people. Yeah, but why would why would their standard content confuse anybody? I don't I know. I think their lawyers said to take down everything. Maybe they just aren't good at the web. It's hard to say. I mean, there's no evidence no, no, of no. the trail Randy, of logic. Randy is, yeah. Randy is an IT. He's really good at his job. Okay, he set up my uh, uh, my website. He set up the Kirby's website. No, no, the guy knows what he's doing when it comes to IT. It's not a mistake. That is odd. Well, the whole thing is odd. Yeah, that's what that's what I was getting at. There's no rhyme there's or no, reason. Yeah, it's... except maybe to, to get Theakston for whatever reason. Well, it's. Like my grandpa used to say, crazy people do crazy shit, and if you try to figure out why they're doing it, that's just going to make you crazy. 
Right. Well, all I know is, just give me my Xeroxes back. Some call you fat, some call you corpulent, others call you portly. I call you a customer and a friend for life. Come on in to Victor Newsies. If you got a fat ass, I ain't gonna say nothing about it. We'll suit you, you'll suit us. You come into Victor Newsies, I guarantee you're gonna leave with a suit. Come on in, you'll save a ton at Victor Newsies. I ain't bullshitting. Victor Newsies, Highway 5, out by the mall. like to thank Greg Theakston, as always, for being on the show. You know, aside from being a mensch, Greg is one of the most interesting people I've ever met, and he has a mind-bending collection of artwork. He has no need to make something up. Do the right thing. Give him his stuff back, all right? Folks, we'd really appreciate it if you'd share this on your various Facebook pages. Trying to spread the word means trying to spread our little show here. We'd appreciate it if you'd like the Tom Gully Show, not moi, not me, but the show. Uh, and do that on Facebook, too, if the mood strikes you. Of course, there's always the TomGullyShow.com. That's where you can find everything about the show. There's the Tom Gully Show store. And we always encourage you to subscribe on iTunes for free, because if it's free, it is for me. Follow us on Twitter at Atomic Palooka so I can increase my clout and cred ratings. If I get enough points, we're all going to go to the Aces. That'll do it for tonight. I'm out of here. i got to go talk to some people. I'll talk to you much later. Each night, Jay Johnson brings us in with the Truth Wagon. And every night, we take you out just like we're going to do right now with Catch-22 Blues by the Hitman Blues Band. And we will see you next time. And give Greg his stuff back. Well, the bug can't lift a twig For a dog that's nothing big But he don't want to And the dog can't grab a cat A raccoon can do all that But he don't want to And I dream of you at night While you hold your baby tight But he don't want to You can see it in his eyes From the way he tells you